The market is pricing in somewhere between five to six rate cuts by the Fed. From my opinion, that's probably too much for a soft landing. It's too little for a full-blown recession. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Despite turbulent markets in 2023, the ETF industry continues to thrive, providing Canadian investors with new options for growth. Portfolio Manager Alfred Lee and your host, Mackenzie Box, take a deep dive into the themes driving demand and the benefits ETFs can provide. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights podcast with our ETF portfolio management team. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined with Alfred Lee who is a PM on our ETF desk. Today, we'll be focusing on our recently issued ETF outlook that looks at some of the trends we saw last year and what we can expect on a go-forward basis for 2024. So with that, let's dive in. Alfred, you're in the hot seat today. We recently launched our ETF industry report for 2024, another impressive year for the collective ETF industry here in Canada, adding $38.4 billion in AUM. The ETF industry now stands at roughly $385 billion and is still growing at a 20% rate. Where did you see most of the flows this year? Yeah, so it was a pretty interesting year. I would say, you know, definitely a lot of clear trends within the ETF industry in Canada. By far, the biggest trend that we saw in the market was definitely cash. So when you look at cash, uh, we saw $10 billion flow into cash. So that's including, you know, money market ETFs, HISA ETFs, and also ultra short-term bond ETFs as well. So that now represents a $30 billion segment. No surprise there, given that, you know, when you look at uh, the risk-free rate for cash, it's the highest we've seen in a long time. So, you know, over a decade. So it probably have to look back prior to the uh, great financial crisis to see the overnight rate, you know, north of five, five and a half percent in the U.S. But also, I think, you know, when coming off of 2022, so, you know, remember coming off in 2022, both fixed income and equities were down that year. So I think a lot of investors were risk averse. So naturally, they gravitated towards cash. Outside of that, we also saw broad beta ETFs um, be very popular as well. And I think the reason behind that is because, you know, as the market started to rally, as the year progressed, a lot of investors were essentially, you know, faced with FOMO. So they had, you know, this fear of missing out. And, you know, when you look at broad-based ETFs, so traditional index-based products, those were the most cost-efficient way uh, of getting exposure to the market. It's the most easy way to participate in the market rally. Um, outside of that, we also saw sector-based ETFs be very popular with investors as well. So even though there was a large part of investors that were uh, risk-averse, there was also a large part of the market that thought, you know, there's specific pockets of the market that were undervalued. So within equities, uh, we saw a lot of investors target things like value, so areas like banks, um, so Canadian banks that were trading, you know, cheap. So we saw 
um, a lot of interest in our equal weight bank ETF, for example, which is ticker ZAB, but also a lot of interest in growth areas like technology, for example. So a lot of interest in uh, tech-based ETFs. On the fixed income side, a lot of investors targeted, you know, aggregate-based uh, ETFs. So, um, you know, ETFs that provided exposure to the entire market, like ZAG, uh, which is our aggregate bond ETF. But in terms of, you know, positioning, we saw most investors target the short end of the curve. But in the fourth quarter, especially after the Fed pivot, we definitely saw a lot of interest in investors adding duration. So uh, going after, you know, long bond ETFs specifically. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Want to reduce the risk of market timing or increase near-term growth? Our new range of BMO structured outcome ETFs can help you dial down risk or dial up equity returns. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZOCT, ZUEA, and ZEBA. Another thing we're seeing is often the ETF industry gets compared to the mutual fund industry. And ETFs now make up about 21% of the mutual fund market share in Canada. Now, is this feasible that the ETF industry could overtake the mutual fund industry in the near future? That's a good question. I think, you know, when you look at that measure, it's a measure that often gets brought up, but it's it's a little bit, you know, apples to oranges. And, and you know, when you look at the mutual fund industry, on one hand, we look at active managers and there could be a lot of active managers on any specific asset class. So when you take Canadian equities as an example, you could have several hundred managers managing a mandate within Canadian equities. In ETFs, you know, you could have a number of different index funds. You could have several factors representing the Canadian equity market, but there's only that many ways you could slice and dice a market. The difference, however, is that when you look at ETFs, I think the audience is much more broad than uh, traditional funds. So when you look at mutual funds, uh, mutual funds sell only to the retail channel. When you look at institutional pool funds, those are meant for institutions only. Uh, But when you look at ETFs, you know, there's many different types of investors. So there's retail investors, there's institutional investors, there's investors in the direct channel. And even within those, you know, three separate categories, there's many subcategories that are using ETFs in many different ways as well. Not to mention, you know, when you look at ETFs 10 years ago, when you thought of an ETF, it was pretty synonymous with passive investing. But now when you look at ETFs, it's basically passive, active, and then everything in between as well. So um, I think, you know, the ETF industry has a lot of different types of exposures, a lot of different types of users. So the audience is a lot bigger as well. But also when you look at, you know, trends within the industry, I think there's a lot of things that favor ETFs. So, for example, you know, when you look at advisors, um, advisors are kind of moving towards a fee-based model, which I think ETFs are a natural solution for. Also, when you look at the younger generation, so you have this you know, great wealth transfer that's going to happen in the next decade, uh, two decades, where wealth in the older generations is being passed on to the younger generation. The younger generation tends to be a lot more sophisticated. They tend to use ETFs in their portfolios. Um, also, when you look at technology, technology has been very helpful for the ETFs um, ecosystem as well. So, for example, when you look at, you know, if you're holding a basket of bonds or if you're holding a single bond, you can use that or you can use an ETF and convert that basket of bonds into an ETF through a market maker or the ETF provider. So 
I think the ecosystem for ETFs is a lot more dynamic than traditional funds. So I think all those reasons combined, the growth of ETFs, there's still a lot of upside. And I think, you know, potentially in the in the near future, it potentially could be a, a bigger industry than the mutual fund industry as well. Great. Thanks, Alfred. And I think uh, the ETF industry has definitely evolved a lot in the last couple of years and will continue to. And you kind of alluded to my next question. Um, ETFs have resonated with investors for quite some time, but specifically in three different client segments. uh, So institutional advisors and direct. And each of these clients use ETFs for different reasons. On a high level, can you highlight what the appeal is for each of these types of clients? Yeah. So when you look at ETFs, you know, as you mentioned, I think, you know, ETFs resonate with different types of investors for many different reasons, right? So when you look at ETFs in Canada, uh, you compare it to different jurisdictions, there's always early adopters. In Canada, it was always the advisor community that were early adopters to ETFs. The advisor community in Canada continues to um, more and more use ETFs in their portfolios as well. So as I mentioned you know, earlier, I think when you look at you know, most dealers and most brokerages, you know, moving their advisors to a fee-based program, that's very suitable for an ETF. An ETF is a very natural fit for those programs. Uh, but also when you look at, you know, most advisors, there's more and more advisors becoming registered portfolio managers as well. And the way they build portfolios nowadays is very different than, you know, how they would build a portfolio 10 years ago, for example. So now they're taking, you know, more of a holistic approach. So instead of doing stock picking, they're using ETFs to get those, you know, building blocks to a portfolio um, so ETFs are a natural fit for those portfolio managers as well. Um, also, you know, when you look at advisors, they do a lot of things that, you know, ETFs do. So things like, you know, in the past, they used to do their own covered call strategies. Uh, they're looking for tax solutions. So ETFs also provide those solutions as well, right? So covered call ETFs, you know, saves them the time so they don't have to be rolling those options. Uh, they could be focusing on, you know, different parts of their business. Discount bonds like ZDB, which is our discount bond ETF, that also allows them to be more tax efficient with their clients as well. On the institutional side, um, it's been very different where I think, you know, most of the natural conversations have revolved around, you know, index-based products and also, you know, fixed income ETFs. Uh, But again, even within within institutions, uh, there's different types of institutions. So there's asset owners like pensions. Uh, endowments and foundations, but there's also asset managers, um, such as, you know, fund managers, family offices, and hedge funds. They all use ETFs very differently. So I think, you know, the larger asset owners, um, like pensions and foundations, as I mentioned, they tend to use, you know, fixed income ETFs and kind of more plain vanilla broad-based ETFs, mostly for things like liquidity management. But also, you know, when you look at hedge funds and family offices, they tend to be using ETFs, you know, more targeted ETFs, you have a lot of family offices that are using ETFs for uh, liquid alternatives, which you know ETFs are providing exposure to those areas uh, more and more so in the last couple of years. And last but not least, we have the direct channel as well. In the direct channel, I think a lot of investors are looking for uh, simplicity, so looking for you know low cost index based products, also looking for things like covered calls uh, to provide them with yield. Uh, but also things like asset allocation ETFs have been very popular in that channel as a lot of investors just want a one-ticket solution where they could basically just set it and forget it and not have to worry about building their own portfolio. Great. Thanks, Alfred.
Parked, but not idle. Money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer a place to park cash and preserve capital while remaining highly liquid. And there are no lockup periods, unlike GICs, which means they can be sold at any time without penalty. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZUCM, ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. And last but not least, just to kind of summarize our report, what are some of the key themes that you think will drive ETF flows for 2024? I think fixed income is definitely going to be a trend that continues to resonate with investors. And the reason why is because, you know, when you look at fund flows in the last year, uh, fixed income brought in 21 billion. So that's essentially two thirds of the fund flows uh, within the Canadian ETF industry. Uh, But when you look at, you know, fixed income ETFs and you compare it to the underlying fixed income market, fixed income ETFs essentially address a lot of the shortcomings, right? So when you buy, you know, individual fixed income, the market is very opaque. It's an upstairs market. There's no transparency. Uh, bid offer spreads are very wide. It's an inventory-based market. So when you go back and try to buy the same bond, it may not be there. So with a fixed income ETF, the fixed income ETF essentially addresses all of those shortcomings. So I think fixed income ETF is a lot more practical and it's a lot more efficient in terms of providing those exposure. Even in the next five, 10 years, we're going to see more and more of the market shift from the underlying fixed income market to fixed income ETFs. Factor-based ETFs, I think, are going to make a comeback as well. Last year, admittedly, I think they took a little bit of a step back just because, you know, when you look at the performance of traditional index-based ETFs, so, you know, broad-based ETFs like ZSP, which tracks the S&P 500, index-based ETFs basically outperformed uh, most factors. Uh, The quality factor was the only one that outperformed the market last year. But this year, you know, when you look at interest rate expectations, uh, the market is pricing in, you know, somewhere between five to six rate cuts by the Fed. Uh, From my opinion, you know, that's probably, you know, too much for a soft landing. It's too little for a full-blown recession. So as the year progresses, I think you're going to start to see some repricing in the markets. And I think factor-based ETFs are a good way to manage that risk as the market slowly shifts uh, throughout the year. Cover call ETFs, I think those are going to remain popular. Uh, other options-based strategies as well. The Canadian market has been known to be a leader in the covered call space and for you know, packaging derivative-based strategies in an ETF. Um, so ETFs that provide structured outcomes or nonlinear payoffs, those will start to resonate with investors in terms of you know, managing the risk in their portfolio. So I think it's going to be an interesting year. I think ETFs will remain popular the growth rate that we've been seeing in the ETF industry, you know, 20% caker over the last 10 years. I think we're going to continue to see the ETF industry continue to grow at a very similar rate going forward. Great. Thanks, Alfred. And I think we'll see a lot of innovation uh, with that growth as well. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to Alfred for walking through our recent Outlook report. Now, we do have our Outlook report posted on our public website, so I do encourage everyone to go and read it and download it at bmoetfs.com. And with that, I just want to thank everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, which offers single-ticket access to Canada's Big Six, Royal, Bank of Montreal, TD, CIBC, Bank of Nova Scotia, and National Bank. 
the team also discussed the remarkable comeback of fixed income. The BMO Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZAG, invests in a diversified portfolio of federal, provincial, and corporate bonds. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.